I bet you've never had a birthday where you've been able to give away so much money. I'm just trying to think, go back. Uh, I mean, except for that one night in Reno. Right, but that was an accident. And those was all. Those were all ones. And I didn't really give it away. And more, coins. It fell out. Yeah. My pocket. It was cold that night too. <laughs> Stupidity. What this is. Uh, when we uh, the bottom of this hour. I don't even know what the word orgiastic means, um, but we're going to talk about how Silicon Valley has a secretive of or dealing or, or- pertaining with orgies. Orgiastic. You just made that up. You didn't even look it up. You made it up. I don't even... Okay, well, then let me say this. I don't know how to pronounce it. You got it right. Oh. Orgiastic. All right. Well, we'll talk about that in the 1230 segment. We'll get into Swamp Watch once again, because not only is the book Fire and Fury out today, and it's about to make uh, Michael Wolf millions of dollars, a lot of questions about what the information that's inside of it. So we'll do all that. We have Gas Fantasy 4 play in the 12 o'clock hour. A special guest is going to join us in the 1 o'clock hour to talk about movies. Uh, specifically, we get into awards season, like the Golden Globes coming up on Sunday. How this is going to look this year compared to past years in the context of all of the sexual harassment allegations that are rampant in Hollywood now. We take you to Fresno. Our apologies. U.S. District Court in Fresno yesterday, where a man from Modesto was charged with attempting to provide material support and resources to a foreign terrorist organization. This is a guy named Everett Jameson, as I mentioned, from Modesto, and he, according to the FBI, was planning a Christmas terror attack on Pier 39 in San Francisco. 26 years old. They say he was planning to use destructive devices to carry out a murderous rampage there on Pier 39. He was going to use pipe bombs. And his plan, they say, was to funnel people into an area in order to shoot them. If you haven't been to Pier 39, it's a big pier. It's not just one pier. There's a lot of offshoots. There's restaurants and shops. And there's, I believe, the earthquake experience. It's a big to-do. It's almost like a little kitschy mall on a big pier. Very tourist-heavy. Very tourist-heavy. Um, they said that this guy was mentally ill. He didn't have the means to carry out the alleged plot. And I, the, why that is a—I mean, I, I guess that's a defense. But why that's even brought up into this. If you know that this guy has been thumbing up the uh, the Facebook posts that are pro-terrorism, that should be enough to put this guy in jail for a long time. I don't think that's a uh, I don't think that's a silly mistake of an innocent young man that he just didn't have the stuff yet. Yeah. Why can't we assume that he just hadn't gotten around to buying this stuff? Well, he had a very specific plan about how he was going to do this. Um, he would travel to this campground in the mountains. He would build the explosives out of PVC pipe, gunpowder, and nails. Store the bombs in his home in Modesto. He would attack uh, Pier 39. He would funnel people uh, using those bombs into a specific area, perhaps uh, out at the front of the pier and drive everyone closer to the water so that there were no uh, plans to escape, and then open fire on them and shoot them all. That was what, I mean, this guy had that specific of a plan, according to the federal documents. Luckily, he was dumb, and luckily the FBI was watching. They started watching him in September, because of his social media activity in which he started liking or loving posts about terror attacks and ISIS. That gives me great hope 
that the FBI is concerned with people who are liking ISIS posts. They're not they're not writing out I love ISIS, I'm going to kill for them. They're simply hitting that button like or hitting that love button. That's when undercover FBI agents decided to hatch a plan of their own. They posed as ISIS supporters and contacted him. He met with an undercover FBI employee on December 16th and told him about his very detailed plans that you laid out. Wait a minute. You you said that they tracked him because of his Facebook stuff, right? Yeah. Why couldn't they track him because of that beard? And this is not an indictment of all beards. Some beards are good. Mm-hmm. Blake's is on the edge, and I'll Thank be honest you. with you. But Blake's but, is but like JV terrorist. Well, Blake's full is, blown. That's Blake fine. Is, Blake's is, I guess, I would say like ninety percent full beard. Ninety percent. It's still an A. We're good. Right. This guy's beard is roughly fifty-five, maybe sixty percent full. And you know that splotchy beard that people have. You should not have a beard. If Agree. you're at that point. Agree. And one of the one of the tenets of the Muslim faith is that men would have facial hair, that they would have a beard. Everyone, regardless of whether or not they're capable of growing an A beard, this guy has a C beard. So let me ask you this, yeah. based on what you just laid out. Right. If some guy has a beard, that's not a nice beard. It's mine not would, fully grown in. It's nice. splotchy. You look like a sick dog a mine, little bit. And mine would come in almost like patches. Red. Yeah. Patches, unevenness, that that person should be immediately flagged because they're only growing a beard to be in line with ISIS, not because it looks great. Yeah. All right. Well, they met with him, like I said, on December 16th, and he laid out the plans. He asked the agent, because remember, he thinks this is an ISIS uh, higher up. So he says, hey, you know what I you know what I could use for my massacre? Uh, some remote timing devices for those pipe bombs. He told the FBI operative that Christmas Day was the perfect day to commit the attack. No, it's not. No, why would that be? I mean, I've never been to Pier 39 <laughs> well, on Christmas Day, but it seems like it would not be a huge foot traffic no. day. Uh, he would say that, I would assume he was just because he's blinded by the hate of the Christian faith or something like that. Because that most would be of those the places, day that he's going to make a statement. Most of those places would be closed. Exactly. So you're not going to get a lot of people. There. Bad terrorist. Well, they they say that he talked about how his attack would be styled after the October 31st attack in New York City. Remember, that's when that guy drove a truck down a bike lane, killed eight people. He told the FBI agent he just started working as a tow truck driver, which could help in the attack. He expressed loyalty to ISIS and al-Baghdadi. He offered to donate money to ISIS, contribute his firearm skills. And he asked the agent to get him an assault rifle and explosives. That's a misstep. If you're trying to join ISIS, you should know that ISIS is poor. ISIS is broke. ISIS is not flush with cash and weapons to hand the expensive ones over to you, untested wannabe terrorist. You have to, you know, you have to bring your own party favors to the game. I got to tell you, I'm a little uncomfortable now that I realize we're giving this guy instructions on how to be a better terrorist. You're right. <laughs> when they searched his home You're last right. month, <laughs> when they searched his home, <laughs> don't uh, go on Christmas Day. <laughs> the stores are all closed. What a dummy! Um, 
they found a note that was signed by this guy, but it was his handwriting, but it was signed Abdullah Abu Ivrit Abin Gordon Al Amriki. So he so he made his own terrorist name. Yeah. It sounds like he fashioned his own. I moniker. think you could do that online though. Like how do you find like your terrorist, terrorist name? name generator? I'm going to Google that. Nope, I'm not. That's probably better. <laughs> look at the look at the growth on you. I know. This look at is this a new year. Uh, this note says, "I Abdullah Abu Everett Ibn Gordon Al Amriki have committed these acts upon the Kufar non-Muslims in the name of Dar Al Islam." which is the, the Muslim world. Allahu Akbar says you've allowed Donald J. Trump to give away Al-Quds, Jerusalem, this is like, to the Jews. This is like the Spanglish form of terrorist talk. <laughs> Both you like and he and are half. wrong. It belongs to the Muslimin, the Muslims. Uh, long live ISIL, long live Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Who's the head I don't of even ISIL. think he's doing it right. You know? But that's good. I mean, look, if that's the bet... Uh, I How love do I phrase a, this term. This is this is it. Ha. You love a failed terrorist, especially when the FBI can thwart the plan. Bring on the dumb ones. I love that the FBI is looking at people that are liking ISIS videos online. I'm hoping that they don't get complacent and think that all of these guys are dumb. Well, you can uh, make them aware of that in our FBI training class that we do here on the Gaths Show. They would be so. They would shoot us. I think. Halfway through the class. But I don't even know if it would wait till halfway through, but they would shoot us, I would assume. Yeah, it would be fun to have a, a, a room full of FBI agents and have us at, at the front saying, now what you need to do Here's what you guys should have this. done. Um, Javier Becerra <laughs> says he is going to fight this pot crackdown. The California Attorney General said that if this new federal policy results in federal prosecutors charging marijuana growers and sellers licensed by the state – that he's gonna not going to rule out intervening in court on behalf of state-sanctioned businesses. This is only if there's anything probably in writing, policy-wise, by the federal government about this. If this is just Jeff Sessions taking a hand or, or getting rid of the hands-off approach and not directing prosecutors to prosecute, I don't really know if there's much that the state attorney general can do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I don't know if there's anything he can do. California is one of 29 states that has approved sale of marijuana for medical purposes, 29. There are eight now that have given the green light. Get it? Green light. Green light for You're uh, so clever. recreational pot use. In your old age. The state officials voiced their concerns because Jeff Sessions came out. We talked about this yesterday, early yesterday. That one was out loud. What? Which you one? You said in your old age. No, I didn't. Jeff Sessions yesterday rescinded this federal policy that would have had local pot sellers confident that they wouldn't be prosecuted if they were licensed by the state. Remember, there was a memo that went out from the Department of Justice, the Cole memo, uh, under the Obama presidency, which said, listen, if, the, if it's legal in those states – now, again, this is to federal prosecutors – if it's legal in your state – um, only go after those cases where gangs are in control of the money, where people are making it available to kids, or where it's being transported across state lines. Those are the things that were still prosecutable under the Obama administration's federal guidelines when it came to pot. And what Jeff Sessions did was say, no, no, it's now all back on the table, but he leaves it up to 
those attorneys general throughout, I'm sorry, those uh, federal prosecutors throughout these different districts. Right? And who How many? There's knows? Like 59 I, I, districts or something like I that? I think on the list of priorities for federal prosecutors, this is very low. Very low. I, I don't think Sessions' comments yesterday make it move up any higher on the list. Becerra has sued the administration more than two times, uh, sorry, more than two dozen times as attorney general. How long has Javier Becerra been the attorney general? Five minutes. One, one year? One year he's been the attorney general. Asked if um, California would take action for example, uh, like challenging, changing policies and rules without sufficient public input or whatever, when it comes to the pot, he said it depends on what the federal government does next. Exactly, because as it stands, there's nothing to take action upon. How about this? How about Javier Becerra, instead of doing a news conference like this, uh, dropping his uh, junk on the table to show how big and tough he is, why don't you just get on the phone to the federal prosecutors in the state of California and go, hey, um, do you guys have any plans? I mean, is this a thing? Do you care? Especially is- when it makes no difference how big his junk is, if it's small or if it's large, because there's nothing to to take action on. Well, he can. This is all a press conference to say. Don't that, forget me. Yeah. My name's Javier Pacera. Exactly. It's the next, but it it's sounds all, like a J. It's all to stand up there behind a microphone and say, I am a good Californian. I love pot, too. <laughs> Vote for me for governor in four years. Um, All right. I see your green light and I raise you an L.A. Times line. Mm. Here we go. For the steady stream of customers waiting to see a bud tender Thursday at a Santa Ana pot store, Sessions broadside against recreational pot was more of a bummer than a buzzkill. Congratulations, Emily and Angel and Haley, you magnificent Poets of prose. Uh, We'll get into that reefer madness story when we come back. But first, I want to give away $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. I'd just like to take a moment to celebrate Emily Angel and Haley's contribution because you may have missed it in, in the reading, but they used bud tender, broadside, bummer, and buzzkill. Not only uh, literary genius, but alliteration, alliteration. at its finest. It's and and low-key alliteration, because they're all separated, but still. And uh, a couple paragraphs later, they talked to a guy named Mr. Burns. No. Craig Burns. Um 66-year-old guy was uh, up from Laguna Beach to buy pot. Says this is an attempt to take us back to the 50s where you're a criminal if you use. But now even somebody who follows their state's law is a criminal. It's going back. Okay, I'm going to pull the car over again. God, I'm like a mother. We're never going to get there. I know. I'm sorry. But this is not going to be people rounding up people smoking pots in the street. Pots? People smoking pots. <laughs> People smoking. Welcome to, welcome to the show, Mr. Sessions. We're glad you could join us. This is not going to be people going after you and your ounce of weed in your home. If anything, this would be federal prosecutors taking action against the, the actual stores themselves. It's not going to be a personal thing. They're not going to go after you and your little baby amount of weed. That's not what this is, if anything. This is a. They're not uh, going to be rounding people up. 
at 420 Central, that's the name of the uh, the pot shop that they went to in Santa Ana, the, waiting, the full waiting room resembled that of a doctor's office. People playing on their phones as they patiently waited about a half an hour to see their bud tender. And in the locked room where the marijuana was stored, soft music played. Customers peered into glass cases and sniffed green medicine bottles. Can we uh, ban the word bud tender from the show? We can, but that's what they're calling themselves. I'm, that's like the but like barista? it's better than budista or buddy budrista. Why do we have to have a cute name for them? What do you want to call them? Pot sellers. But they're more than that. They will tell you which strains are good for you and which ones aren't, which ones make you paranoid. Okay, which ones so we're going like with bud tender. It just makes me want to punch myself in the throat. Go ahead. Uh, the gosh, you're getting mean. <laughs> Did you hear this conspiracy theory? By the way, that we talked yesterday about what President Trump's position on recreational marijuana is, was, might be. It's flip flopped. It's not. Uh, there's no hard line. This it is depends. This was never a huge issue. In he the doesn't campaign care. And, it, it's like it's de- from what I read. It's depending on who he talks to. Sure. It like he he did one interview in Colorado where he's like yeah, I'm all for it, and then he did an interview with like Bill O'Reilly and was like pot's terrible. So it's all about who he's talking to. So the thing is, you can't pin this president down. So there's no official administration policy, at least down from the president, about where we would be on recreational marijuana. Here's a conspiracy theory that I heard. Oh, I love these. They knew they the White House. They don't like Jeff Sessions and they want to get him out as because Jeff Sessions recused himself from the Russia investigation, right? And the president was not happy about yes. that. We knew that. We've known that for almost a year now. Yes. That when Jeff Sessions comes to the president and says, Mr. President, I was thinking about that thing. We're sending that coal memo. And Donald Trump says, oh, fine. Go ahead. It's a great idea. Go to it, Jeff. Do your thing. So that when... He gets all of this public blowback when he, being Jeff Sessions, gets all this public blowback for rescinding the coal memo and making it potential, not possible even, well, I guess possible is the right word, making it possible that federal prosecutors do go after some of these pot shops, that the White House can then say, why did you do that, Jeff? Why did you Why did you garner all of this negative feelings towards this administration? All you had to do was leave it alone. Okay, well, and then fire him and say, "See, it's because of that." It's okay, because of the coal memo. I I hear your conspiracy theory, um, but remember when we were talking about the Patriots conspiracy conspiracy theory, and you said you didn't believe there was that much conniving or thought that went into that. True. That's how I feel about this administration in that plan. No one has that much forethought. I don't think so. Well, the uh, the interesting thing will be over these next several weeks and months to see how many businesses come. Uh, or do get licensed by their municipalities, the city of L.A., for example, to actually sell pot because we have been so behind the times in terms of coming up with laws, coming up with policies, coming up with the permitting process, figuring out how to do that. There's only two in the city of L.A. There are not that many throughout the state. I think it's 40 or 50 throughout the state that once all of this is done and once we do get a few hundred, I would assume, a few hundred of these recreational pot shops available throughout the state, that's when you're going to start to see the money come in, the tax income come in, and this is going to sort of lose its, pardon the pun, it's going to lose its buzz.
Yeah, the uh, the reporter from the Californian we had on earlier said there was a hundred, I believe, throughout the whole state. But that's oh, a hundred right now. Yeah, there's nothing. No, there's nothing. For, that's I mean, look at forty million people. Right, look at Los Angeles, one of the more liberal cities, and you've got two. You've got West Hollywood, and you've got Santa Ana. Yeah. You we should at a, least have a hundred here. There's a bunch in uh, Sacramento. I think had a really well that's, awkwardly high concentration. Because that's in Sacramento, you need a little something to get through the day. Wait a minute. Was married in Sacramento. Uh huh. I see what you're saying. All right, we come back. Whatever the word orgiastic means, and why Silicon Valley is now dealing with orgiastic stuff. Could you imagine all those Silicon Valley people all, all naked together? <laughs> Good Lord. <sighs> Gary and Shannon. To bleach my eyes. <laughs> Did you write? This song, because this song's ten minutes. One thirty-six. That's plenty of time. One day I'll regale you with all of the words to it. Do you want me to stop talking about your conception? Because I will if you if you really want me to. Gary and Shannon. It's Friday, January fifth. Oh, this is a great song. The day that the day that I was conceived mm-hmm. is the day the music died. Ooh, yeah, that's not a. I don't want this to be the one. Well, this is really about the Buddy Holly Richie Valens crash. Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, want to talk about orgies? <laughs> I, wait. We are staying on top of oh. all of the fallout of the Fire and Fury book. We topped the show talking about it. Uh, and the, our big thing was, listen, there's nothing new. There's nothing new coming out about this. And this guy is not, um, uh, you know, Edward R. Murrow. All right. It's, it's a gossipy, anecdotal book in which he says in the prologue some of the stuff he had to kind of come up with himself or imagine how it happened. So all of the fire and fury about said book is really much to do about nothing, in my opinion. All right. Orgies. Can we talk about cuddle puddles? Yes. Remember when we talked with Dr. Wendy about her time out in the desert? No. Yes. I don't remember her talking about that. Yeah, I do. And she talked about a cuddle puddle, and we didn't know what that was several months ago. Oh, now I remember. Yes. That wasn't on the air. The cuddle puddle part was. Okay, but not who she was with. No. Okay. Yeah, no. I I just wanted to make sure you didn't say the name. Oh, no. (laughs) Because I don't think that part was on the air. I am a gentleman of discretion. Mm. Uh, Cuddle puddles are where... Well, anyway, it, for her, her description of it. <laughs> you just said, I am a man of discretion. And the next words out of your mouth were cuddle puddles. <laughs> Those were supposed to be a thing that was non-sexual, but was just a group of people together chit-chatting. No. About, yes. How can you be in a cuddle puddle and uh, it not be sexual? 
I don't know. All right. I don't know. This was a story coming to us from Vanity Fair. And they're reporting that about once a month on Friday or Saturday night, the Silicon Valley technorati, as they call them, gather for a drug-heavy, sex-heavy party involving, yes, cuddle puddles. The venue sometimes is a beautiful mansion in Pacific Heights. Sometimes it's a beautiful home in the foothills of Atherton or Hillsboro. I was friends with, um, I still am friends with a, a woman at the time, girl, we were in college, who uh, house sat for a family in Atherton. Beautiful home. Yeah. I mean, multi-million dollar home, new money family, marriage in shambles, just a disaster. The people were way underwater. It was a very sad situation, but really let me into how crazy life can be inside those homes on the other side. You know, the people that live in these places, I mean, Silicon Valley, of course, they all have money, the the tech people. But sometimes what goes on when people are trying to pretend that they have more than they do. Trying to keep up. It gets it gets gamey in there. This uh, writer, Emily Chang, put this together and talked about these these parties that take place. And it's a lot. Uh, first of all, the roots of the roots of this come from. The Bay Area. You and I both grew up in the Bay Area. It, I don't know if we were aware of it at the time. Pretty, uh, what would you say, sexually liberal when it comes to sexual behavior, uh, sexuality out in the open. That Take sort a of walk thing. down Haight-Ashbury. Exactly. The, where That's no one wears, Everyone's allergic to clothes yeah. uh, in the Haight-Ashbury district. Um, so this is kind of where this is grown out of. Plus, you've got these guys, a lot of times guys, who grew up. I mean, literally coding, and that's all. So their their ability to make normal, what you would consider normal relationships with people, don't exist. They do not have those abilities. It has shades of Hollywood. They wrote in Vanity Fair that the freewheeling sex lives pursued by men in tech, from the elite down to the rank and file, have consequences for how business gets done in Silicon Valley. What does that sound like? They say from reports of those who have attended these parties, guests and hosts include powerful first-round investors, well-known entrepreneurs, and top executives. Some are the titans of the valley, household names. The females have different qualifications. If you're attractive, willing, and young, don't worry about what your resume says. Well, that's a shocker. Some work in tech in the Bay Area, but some of the women come from L.A., now, a lot of the people who say that they've been to these parties, um, you know, imme- you may not know when you're going, but you know immediately when you walk in the door what kind of a party this is. If you go to a tech party, you go to a Silicon Valley party, it's 90% men just because that's who uh, populates those businesses. If it's one of these parties, then there's all kinds of women. Like the, the, the ratio is two to one women to men. They say this is how the night goes down. Guests arrive before dinner, are checked in by private security guards who turn you away if you're not on the list. Sometimes the evening is catered, but at many of these, guests will cook dinner together. That way, there's no help to witness what's going on. Hmm? Uh, Of course, alcohol is involved, and then come the drugs. Ecstasy, molly, the stuff that turns strangers into lovers. The, 
They're saying that not all of these parties are billed as just giant orgies. It just happens to be that they are – they sort of look the other way if there's a pocket of that kind of activity that shows up. And Emily talked to one of these young women who said that she got an, uh, an invite to a party on the edge of the earth, as it was described, at the home of one of these uh, venture capitalists. And the invite requested Glamazon Adventurer, Safari Chic, and Jungle Tribal Attire. Turning er, turning the car around, I guess I could say. Now we're going uh, back. No, well, because we didn't dress appropriately. What do you wear if you get an if you get an invitation at the Hoffman House for a party uh, that says Glamazon, Glamazon and Adventures Safari Chic and jump, Jungle Tribal Attire? What do you, Gary, put on? What do I put on? Uh-huh. I would go the Safari route, a as opposed cloth? to the Jungle Tribal. No, that would be more Jungle Tribal. Okay, so- I would be more Safari Chic. It's like so, Steve Irwin? Yes, but like the shortest Steve Irwin khaki like shorts Larry I Like Bird find. Steve Irwin oh, shorts. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. You never know when something... Oh. Anyway, that and maybe like a um, a Steve Irwin tank top. Is that a thing? Does that exist? Is this a straight party? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of how you can well, make you that. Well, you could a do like a just... tight khaki short sleeve with the uh, with the buttons open a little bit. Show some Again, of your man is this chest. A straight safari sheet. <laughs> or... The lines are very blurred. Um, but uh, this 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 Jane Doe, as she described herself, said that uh, it was in the middle of this sexual harassment allegation case that had been brought against a. Uh, one of the co-founders of Binary Capital. So the, this, even in the context of sexual harassment allegations, didn't stop these parties from going on. Jane Doe told the author that it was all so ridiculous. She found herself on the floor with two couples, including a male entrepreneur and his wife. You know what? Actually, let's take a break and come back and tell the rest of Jane Doe's story. I okay. didn't realize what time it was. Yeah, it's uh... it's time to uh, pause the orgy story. Great. When we come back... Cuddle Puddles <laughs> on Gary and Shannon. It's a family it's a family Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. There's a warning in Florida because of all the cold weather. And it involves iguanas. Don't touch them. The iguanas have so cold and falling out of trees. They're not to be touched. That's not funny. It is kind of funny. If you're walking around uh, Florida where it's, gosh, all of 50 degrees and then... uh, We'll check in. iguana follows on you. We'll check in on the frigid East Coast coming up in a little more than an hour. But right now we're in the middle of an orgy. Well, not... We, it's the story of. Right. Um, this is uh, out of Vanity Fair. Emily Chang put together this uh, look at these sex-fueled parties that go on in Silicon Valley where guys who never had girlfriends and probably hadn't kissed a girl until their mid-20s uh, end up with all kinds of money and end up in this very sexually charged environment where they call the shots. It seems like all the relationships are open. All the love... Free. The guys can walk in to a situation, a room, whatever you want to call it, and say, listen, uh, I I want you and I want you and I want you. 
And I don't want any connections. I don't want any uh, – no tie-downs, no commitments or anything like that. And if one of them says, no, no, that's not for me, but the other two are like, I'm good with that, then everybody just kind of looks the other way. She talked to a woman that she's calling Jane Doe who went to these uh, parties. And she says, uh, well, I, I found myself on the floor with two couples, including a male entrepreneur and his wife. She says the living room had been blanketed in plush white faux fur and pillows. And as the evening wore on, she says several people lay down and started stroking one another. If you missed it, everyone's on ecstasy or Molly. So the touching thing feels great. She said it became a sizable cuddle puddle that one venture capitalist was dressed up as a bunny and offered her some powder in a plastic bag. It was Molly. My turn to pull the car over. If a guy in a bunny suit offers you powder, powder say no. Bag. Yeah. Okay. Good life lesson. Go on. Nervously, she dips her finger into the powder and puts oh, it in her mouth. Geez. Ready to go, Jane. She says soon her guard dropped. The male founder asked if he could kiss her. She says it was so weird. I'm like, your wife is right there. Is she okay with this? <laughs> the founder's wife acknowledged that, yes, she was okay with it. Jane Doe, who considers herself fairly adventurous and open-minded, kissed the founder, then became uncomfortable, feeling as if she had been pressured or targeted. All right. You took the powder from the bunny. You don't get to then say you've been targeted or pressured. Yes, but you can't say— The bunny say, did not put the powder in your mouth. But you can say you were uncomfortable. And in that case, well, she said— what the hell are you doing at an orgy? Well, that's the thing, is I don't know if she realized what it was. She said she tried to do, escape to a different area of the party. She said, I felt gross. I had participated in making out with him. and He kept trying to find me. I kept trying to run away and hide. And she eventually gets into a cab and, and jumps into her car, it says, and leaves. So it's not about— okay, she says, what's not okay about this scene is that it is so money and power dominated. It's a problem because it's an abuse of power. I would never do it again, she says. Okay. It, none of that would have ever happened if she didn't take the powder from the bunny. But none of it would have ever happened if there wasn't money involved. Yeah. If she had, a, if she had an invitation to an edge of the world party from a bunch of Star Trek geeks... She never would have gone. I'm not going to feel bad for girls that go to things that are billed as, you know, edge of the world party, edge of the world party, where it says to dress like you're in a safari or whatever, and then accept powder Saf from men chic. dressed as bunnies. I'm not going to feel bad for you. Yeah. It just doesn't make any it, sense. It, you know, and, and if people have money up in Silicon Valley, they want to throw it around. They want to have orgy parties with their wives. Fine. Who the hell am I to tell you to stop? I'm certainly not going to feel bad for somebody who's going to accept powder from the bunny. Well, here's if the that's thing. what they're trying to do, it, it's not working. And whether it's Silicon Valley or Hollywood or politics, rich – let me totally overgeneralize. Rich men who want casual sex with women – that will always be a case. That will always be there. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to no stop. No matter how many Me what... Too move rights. No, it's not going anywhere. There there will always be that belief that it's accessible to them because of the money that they have. Okay. Now, you've got to know. you got to make sure that you keep yourself out of those situations. Because as much as I think it's despicable, as much as you think it's despicable, we would love it wiped off the face of the earth. 
it doesn't go away. As long as men have genitals and power and money, it's never going to go away. That's why I have a problem with the Me Too situation. You're never going to root out every apple with money and power. What you need to do is tell the kids how to deal with it. Rule number four is do not take powder from the man in the bunny costume. Because that, by the way, is not safari chic or jungle-tastic or whatever the theme was. All right. We'll do trending when we come back. Also, our gas fantasy foreplay coming up. Swamp Watch, all of that stuff is in the 12 o'clock hours. We continue. Gary and Shannon.